The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. It's hard to understand why you like a band so much, but you just do, and it just keeps like going. Because my wife loves them too, but she's like, you're buying more bootlegs? Like, aren't those most <laughs> songs? They don't have a new album. And I'm like, oh, but this is like a great version. There's a it. slight difference. <laughs> this one has like an intro. This is the Better Man version with the Believe You Me intro. That's his old band. <laughs> She's like, I don't go that far into it. <laughs> and it's too deep. But you understand. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's people, you know, like Springsteen, Fish, like there's other, you know, of those groups that you just, people just kind of go for a deep swim in anytime they can. <laughs> that fun. Welcome to season four, episode 13 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, my guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon, and today we're talking about the no-code track, I'm Open, with my guest, Thomas Gregory. How's it going, Thomas? I'm very well. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. We're getting crunch time towards the end of the album and getting getting people to talk about Pearl Jam. And I love oh. it when I'm talking to first-time guests. Well, I'm glad to be here. I love uh I love your podcast. It's uh got some good no, deep stuff. You don't have to do that. You don't <laughs> oh, okay, you can do a little bit more, but oh no, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the of course the Simpson references are great too. <laughs> oh, <Enjoy> always. <laughs> um, so with this song, let's start off with uh, a little bit of facts. You of course have all of your uh, Polaroids out in front of you. Uh, you're going to be looking for number seven D or seven E. So you're only going to find those in the D and E sets. Uh, of course, if you flip over. The uh, the Polaroid uh, to look at the lyrics for this. The, you're not going to find anything. It's blank. There's no lyrics or anything on there. That's what I discovered when I just went through my no code vinyl. I was trying to be cool and see if the uh, I could find the large picture, but <laughs> then I realized there wasn't one. But I know <laughs> is that like release where I know for release there's no lyrics in the ten packet, right? Yeah, booklet. So maybe they went that direction. Yeah, with uh, in in no code, it's uh, there's no lyrics on in my tree present tense, or I'm open. All right. And uh, of course, if you have seven D, there's the uh, there's an I picture of the I on there, and on a seven E, it's like a piece of skin cut out of something, a biopsy or something. I think that's the the before picture of the. Uh, if you turn, if you look on the back of no code, you see a little. A uh, picture of like some skin stitched up or something like that. I think that's the uh, the antecedent to that picture. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I think I I heard somewhere, and I can't remember if I if I dreamed it or something that that picture was from 
Eddie getting stung by a jellyfish. Oh, wow. And they had to cut his skin and cut the barb out. Ooh, that had to be a big one. <laughs> is, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I, I, I've heard that story before and I don't know if it's true. I couldn't find anything on the internet and searching for if, if I did hear that or not. So that could be something I completely made up. And uh, now will be passed down as uh, as misinformation. <laughs> Who knows? There'll be a Snopes article written about me uh, in a couple of years or something. Who knows? Yeah, that sounds like uh, a surfing injury. That uh, that's if you go to like Hawaii, Australia. That sounds like if you go to the good places, you'll get jellyfishes that big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, so before we talk about this song, I've I've got to ask you, Thomas. This is the first time you've been on, so uh, I, I have to ask you: When did you first hear of Pearl Jam? Well, I kind of missed the '92 early Seattle wave. I was only about nine, turning ten that year. I my my musical taste really kicked in a little later in like 94, 95 and an older cousin of mine who was like, she was just the coolest cousin that I I think I had. She showed me Versus and I actually attached to Versus first, which probably is a little weird. <laughs> and like Daughter and Glorified G, like all of that. And I was on a travel basketball team too. And I had a, a Walkman. So I was listening to Walkman a lot when I was, you know, we were on buses driving to different towns to play and it was mostly versus. And then a friend of mine in school had an extra copy of 10 that he came across and I bought it from for like $4, which was a lot in seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I bought his old copy of 10 and I, then went backwards and then fell in love with that, of course. And fast forward into high school, I had a weekend job at a baseball card store and I was um, making a little bit of pocket change so I could buy my own records. And I discovered a record store in my town center appropriately called Off the Record, which had these, all the bootlegs that, you know, you hear about before, they officially released them in 2000. It was like ones from the mid nineties and early nineties. And you had to like know the guy and give him like a little, you know, knock on the counter and, you know, say, no, I want the good stuff. <laughs> and, uh, but it was always expensive. It was like 35, $40 for like a double CD, but I'm sure, I don't know what CD burners cost back yeah. then. They were probably gas powered, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was, uh, it was that's what really made me go deep when you hear all the live stuff. It's like, oh man, it's even more intense when you hear it's right from the source instead of just, you know, the studio version. Like it's even more intense. And I just couldn't wait to see them live. But I didn't see them live until 2000. Um, but I would say I really caught up with them in like 97, 98, and like. Yield was the first CD I bought, like, the day it came out. So I guess that's when it started, um, was when I discovered the bootlegs and then and then uh, jumped off from there, which was, which was fun. Because it was kind of after the mania of 
the Seattle sound and saturation. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, it kind of died down a bit. So it wasn't quite as, uh, you know, I don't know, trendy or something. <laughs> but I just knew I liked it, and it was it was fun. Yeah, Yield is kind of after they cooled off and were kind of like, okay, is uh who's is everybody gone okay let's come back out and let's uh let's do this for real let's let's really kick it in high gear yeah yeah and it's uh and that's one of the gray ones see that's one i always go back to yeah not that there's anything wrong with no code of course (laughs) yeah and uh speaking of no code we are talking about the song i'm open and uh this song is written by ed and jack uh, at least they have the credits on the uh, on the liner notes, and Ed has said that this song is kind of a a mantra to him, a uh, a little guitar part that he'd play before he got in the band and everything like that. And it kind of makes sense because it's based off of the uh, kind of open D chord, and he'd take off the uh, the third mm-hmm. on there off of that high E string and stuff like that, which he does in a lot of his songs. <laughs> His little signature. Right, right. That's, yeah, he likes that. But yeah, I just love, like, before even getting into the lyrics, just listening to the soundscape that they're trying to create with it, it just starts with that big, like, swelling bass note that's just, it's just kind of almost ambient, like, it just kind of expands into the afters. in his bed in a room with no door. He waits, hoping for a present, something, anything to enter. After spending half his life searching, he still felt as blank as the ceiling at which he stared. He is alive, but feels absolutely nothing. So is he? When he was six, he believed that the moon overhead followed him. By nine, he had deciphered the illusion, trading magic for fact. No tradebacks. So this is what it's like to be an adult. If he only knew now, Becomes like that little arpeggio thing that you were just talking about, and um, and I hadn't listened to the studio version in a while, and going back to it, I forgot that there were wolves on it. <laughs> yeah, and at least some guitar thingies that kind of affects that kind of right. Boom. I was like, hey, what? I was like, I thought. I mean, you think of you know their their dog song. You think of Rival because it's got the beginning there. But and then these strings come in about halfway through, and it kind of lifts it up out of this because the verses are pretty dark, and it kind of makes it a little happier and bouncier. And I forgot about that part, and it kind of changes the uh the memory i have of like because it's a song that you know you don't hear much on the bootlegs because they've only played it what less than a dozen times maybe how how all of those parts really were considered and it feels very as i said cinematic and it's uh it's pretty well well crafted yeah it's uh um it's it's the least played song from no code that they've played live 
Oh, even it's so around the bend is higher. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know around the bend is, is not much either. Yeah, it, it it depends on if you if you count the uh if you count Eddie uh solo shows or not. Right. Of but course, it's, yeah. it's 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 pretty much the the least played song and I it, it it hasn't ever really been played in full either or at least with the with the spoken word thing he'll just kind of play the thing right. and say I'm open and come in. had a thought about that the because i did see it in hartford in 2006 and i believe it's considered the first live version of it Mm -hmm. i think live footsteps earmarks like a 98 version but it was considered like an intro so it wasn't it wasn't given full credit but the hartford version i remember thinking is this untitled like he's just kind of playing it and he kind of stops and says, oh, I was going to play something, but I forgot how it goes. <laughs> and then, But then he goes back into it, and then he starts singing the I'm open with the big, um, you know, lift to it. Play something I can't remember how to play. And and I'm like, is he is he playing on the open? I was like, I don't think they've played this before. And he just did it and it kind of swells almost like arc, but not not quite as um, he's not layering vocals, but he's just like it's just like a really warm sound. And and I was like, wow, this mm-hmm. is great. And then he transitions into um, Sleight of Hand afterwards, which was like a pretty pretty good transition thematically because it's songs where you're trying to, uh, I don't know, just grapple with your own personal uh, path, I guess, <laughs> and what's going on with it. But um, uh, I don't know. Do, are we get, would you like to dig into the lyrics a little bit here? I don't know what I know. It's a freewheeling conversation, right? <laughs> yes, but uh, yeah, it's it. 
that 2006 show in Hartford was pretty much the first time that they played it. I, I guess, right. I guess technically um, they did. And that's in 2006, which uh, was uh, eight years, uh, eight, nine years after the album came out, but they did, they did sound check it at right, the, uh, the right, famous right. Barcelona sound check in uh, November 21st of 96, where they kind of played around with it and tried to, and, and went through uh, uh, in my oh, tree a okay. bunch of times to try to, to try to get it right. But oh, they didn't yeah. play it at the actual show. I wonder if he tried to do the spoken word part in that, in that, the sound check, because it's, uh, because that was so fresh afterwards, but I guess we'll... No, I think he just, he just did the I'm open okay, to come in so he, oh, thing. Yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. But I, I guess with the lyrics, it's, I feel like you could almost, it's not like a song you would put in the Pearl Jam time capsule or on like a compilation album to show somebody what they do. But with the themes of the album, I think it is pretty important because mm-hmm. I know it's a song that people might not think so much about. Um, but I think it just really gets into like the disillusionment with like, whether it's like philosophy or religion or social expectation and uh, just trying to find a new purpose in being okay with uh, sitting just in the unknown, just not knowing what's next. Like that uh, Martin Luther King quote where he says like, faith is like taking a step up the staircase but not seeing the top of it. Or that's not exactly the quote, but you know what I mean? <laughs> but but it, I get things wrong all the time. You just go with it. You just go full on full steam ahead. It's not plow your way through. Right. And it's not faith like I because that has like a religious connotation, but just faith that um that you'll find your way. Because mm-hmm. it's uh it's like coming off vitology, it was I mean, that's a stormy album. It's a lot of heavy, angry ideas being thrown around. And they just, it just feels like corduroy and not for you. Like they just seemed like they kind of got what they wanted by being a successful artist. But they also were freaked out by the unintended consequences of like everything around them. Like it was just, it was too much. Mm-hmm. And they kind of were like, where do we go from here? Like we could kind of burn out and break up or worse, or we could try to ship out like a new path. And then that's where I think Neil Young helped a lot too. And I think that this song kind of pushes toward that. Cause it's the verse about the guy in the room and he doesn't feel anything. And it's, it's pretty dark, but then the warm chorus of I'm open is just like, Hey, you need to like let the light in a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and find your way, um, by not being so hard on yourself, like, which is what present tense kind of talks about too. But I don't know. I just thought that the, uh, it's, as I said, it's not like an essential, you know, to the rafters, lighter raise in the air kind of song <laughs> that people are clamoring to hear in a show but it is really thematically important so i just wanted to give it a little love you know <laughs> yeah yeah 
I think I think part of the reason why you're not going to get like the spoken word poetry sort of stuff like live is because I, I don't think he could probably play and do that at the same time because there's no like rhythm to go along with it. Right, right, right. That that sounds important too. Because at, at first you think, well, maybe he's not as confident in those lyrics. He's like, well, they were okay, but I just kind of like the the vibe of the chorus, so maybe I'll just stay there and make it sort of an intro. Because I said I thought it was the intro to Untitled the first time mm-hmm. I saw it, and then and then it uh, and then he started singing, and I figured it out. But it is there's something there. There really is. Yeah, it sort of carries on the tradition of the sort of weird stuff from Vitology. Right. It, every pretty much every album has like a sort of weird like track that doesn't fit too well among the other things, and this kind of I think like cements it as a okay, this is something we're gonna do from now on. There's gonna be kind of a little weirdo one on uh, on each album. Right, and they there's sort of I mean you could say like Bush Leaguer tinges on that spoken word delivery and then there's that song um i'm still here which it it, that's even more spoken wordy but i mean it's a different topic but it's uh it has that just more poetic vibe to it which um which i think is a nice lane for him when he if he i mean it feels more solo ed than band ed because it's just there's not as much music around it Mm -hmm. but it makes you think he would be pretty good at being a narrator for like a book on tape like (laughs) i would like if he was i'd have him read my autobiography it'd make it more interesting (laughs) (laughs) but would he be in your top i mean i guess morgan freeman would probably be the top one but would you have would ed be up there for yours uh there's a um um hold on i'm 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 looking him up uh james earl jones yeah james yeah james earl jones is up there he's read like the king james version of the bible and stuff yeah. like that i mean you can't go wrong with yeah that would be a great one or uh uh antonio banderas that would be cool <laughs> he's got a sexy accent i think the, the nasal next ladies like or maybe i could have alternating chapters they're gonna have Antonio Banderas, and then the next one by like Gilbert Godfrey, just, <laughs> just for contrast. There I you think go. That you would... got Nasonex, you got Affleck, what others? Yeah. You get Flow from Progressive. Yeah. It's about dynamics, you know? It's like yeah. a set list. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, it's, I think it's a pretty good song. And it's the Hartford version. I just remember. I it was cold that night. It was in May, but it was they made they mentioned before he started singing it that uh that it reminded him of that Wisconsin show from the which you can see in the touring band's DVD. I think it's Dissident they're playing and you can see their breath and they're all like bundled up playing mm-hmm. miraculously. <laughs> and they also they played the reworked version of Garden. And with that kind of like thumping, like slow, like boom, boom, boom part. Yeah. And he did a uh, he did a, this speech in the middle of rocking in the free world about about free speech. That was great. That because it's a song you hear a lot as a closer or near closer. 
but that one was extra punchy. And then, of course, they play I'm Open, which I was like, I don't think they've ever played that before. And then I went home that night. I picked up a hitchhiker <laughs> on the way home because I, I, it was in Hartford and I lived at the time in, uh, in Norwood, Mass., which is a little south of Boston. And I was on the highway and it started pouring out. And I finally get to my exit. I'm like, it's about a two hour drive. And I see these two guys walking up the ramp. And I'm like, I had a great night. I saw Pearl Jam. I picked him up. And so I this drove... is a perfect time to die. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, you're right. But they were in like jeans and a t shirt. Like they were oh, not. Oh, yeah, drifters expecting... don't dress like that. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't expecting a rainstorm. And I was just, you know, just had the warm and fuzzies from just seeing a show. And I stopped and I picked, I said, where are you guys going? They named a hotel that was like two and a half miles up the road. I'm like, all right, all right, get in. And I'm driving there. And I'd just driven two hours from Hartford and they're behind me. And I said, so where are you guys coming from? They're like, oh, we're at a party. This friend of ours brought us, but then he left with a girl and he had the car and anything, this and this and this. And I said, so what do you guys do? And they're like, oh, we're not from around here. We play for the Hartford Wolf Pack, which is the minor league hockey team in Hartford. I'm like, I just came from Hartford. <laughs> That's pretty weird. And uh, and I brought them to the hotel and dropped them off. And they uh, they they gave me twenty bucks for it for the for the ride, which was nice. I guess I was an early version of Uber because this is in like oh <laughs> six, but um, it was a a nice uh, capper to the night to uh, to come out on top with some gas money, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, that was. It's always fun to hear a song that you know is like deep in the catalog that you haven't thought about for a while, and then they'll play it, and you're like, "Whoa, <laughs> they're playing this one!" It's just that's you know that's why you love these guys so much. It's just you can't you can't deny that they they love to surprise us, which is great. Another thing, uh, a factual thing, if uh, for 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 people out there who. Uh... Who need, he need those uh, tasty, tasty facts and stuff. Uh, if you're looking in your PJ20 book and you go to the uh, the index at the back and it says, oh, here, uh, I'm open. There's uh, this page and that page. And the first thing it tells you is page uh, 161. And there's absolutely nothing about I'm open on it. You're That's a mistake. You're going to have to turn to page 184. And that's uh, where it mentions the, the Barcelona stuff. So, Oh, there you go. It, it, yes, we we got it. We got to send that into uh, Simon and Schuster and have them uh, fix fix everybody's books. I guess I don't know <laughs> the new printing. Maybe it's updated. I don't know. I got it when it first came out. The lyrics, if you if you can call them lyrics, I think that might be one of the other odd things with this song that it's it's not too well regarded. And like I said, it's this this song since I'm doing it so late in the season. Uh, it is because, well, it comes late in the album, but also uh, I had trouble finding people that wanted to talk about it because I don't think many people are are huge fans of it because it's sort of a, a, a poem instead of lyrics to a song. And I think that, um, I don't know, I know that back in the day and stuff, I, I, I was sort of like, ah, skip this song, let's just go to Around the Bend. Like, I don't care. It's like, he's such, he's so good at writing lyrics. Why is this poetry kind of 
like your typical teenager writing writing poetry is trying to be deep or something man right and and one other sometimes like flat writing if it's sung really well can come alive a little more or just like a a simple idea can really pop if you have a great melody but this is like it's so naked that it's hard to you, you can't hide it is naked but it's i think thematically it fits yeah where you could be like oh well i don't know people love black red and yellow i think that's a great song too like that could have slid in and no code but it just it would have been kind of a strange fit but it might be a better song that people would be more excited to hear who you know love interesting set lists but it just the theme would be off so i can see why they chose it because i think sometimes they're they don't always choose their best songs to be on the album sometimes it's the ones that kind of fit their the swoop that they're trying to shoot for but it's it's it makes sense but it's not as i said going in the time capsule (laughs) yeah kind of like you said thematically sort of fits in with the uh at least the the line if he only knew now what he knew then fits in with the uh, red mosquito line if he had known then what he knows now right 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 and like present tense is just like a song about like sitting in regret and it could kind of feed into that too and then just a lot of it is just about trying to find your your path especially if you get what you want or if it's you sort of get what you want and then it's not going the way you thought it would <laughs> like the monkey's paw or something yeah <laughs> and it's and they they seem like that was a really tense time for them and understandably so cuz it's not hard being picked apart like that in public but i think i think that the it is just a huge unnecessarily meditation on regret like you said like with a uh, uh, present tense but sort of a a you know the song says it i'm open like be open and i think that that's you know kind of starts with you know being adult and 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 you know goes into the you know when he was six the believe the moon followed him you know because there's big things and it looks like it follows you and it's i forget what the uh the scientific term for that is uh, i don't know if right. that's parallax or, or something like that but you know then you discover it's like oh it's just because it's really big it looks like it's following you but sort of like replacing sort of mystery and awe in nature and the universe with just the scientific fact and it's sort of like uh yeah this is oh isn't it cool that blah 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 isn't that all oh, that's a cool coincidence or blah 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 it means it must mean there's a sign it's like no right, it's not right. it's this blah 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 no such thing as ghosts no such thing as you know santa claus a tooth fairy you know all this sort of stuff it's the world is very cut and dry abc you know and sort of you just have to i think sometimes and and i know that i get it a lot playing with my kid and everything like that and and telling her stories and stuff that it's kind of like just seeing the world through their eyes and seeing such you know mystery and everything is for the first time and it's just sort of like, oh, it's it's all magic. And it's kind of like, yeah, you know, it can there can be some magic in the world. And even you can you can have an appreciation 
of it like it's magic, even if you do know the real stuff. Because, I mean, like, if you go deep into it, like science and everything, I mean, like, electrons and magnetic fields and all this sort of stuff. It's It's like, that is really weird once you think about it. And it is sort of like science. Oh, most definitely. Oh, I know. And when you zoom in beyond the atom, like, there's spaces in there. And they're, like, still trying to figure out... (laughs) What happens in there, like the quarks and all that? Mm-hmm. It's kind of mind bending after a while. But yeah, and it's it's. I mean, as a, you were saying there too, it's like the song really. I think it's just like you're trying to like recenter yourself after not quite. You like you you have this path, you have this like religion philosophy, or like what your parents are telling you, what society is telling you, like study hard you get a good job you do this you do that these like checkpoints through your life that will give you satisfaction but what if that's still you're still in that room staring up at that blank ceiling that he describes not feeling anything where do you go the i'm open part is like you gotta stop thinking so much and kind of open your heart a bit and maybe you know the next thing you know you'll figure it out and it's a uh, it's a little mysterious but it's it's a way out so you're not just stuck in that room with no door because <laughs> it's uh that's pretty harrowing yeah I've, I've heard people sort of in sort of creative fields or talking about art and stuff like that that you know empathy sort of being being open to other people's feelings and sort of putting yourself in their shoes and feeling what somebody else is feeling is in a sense being open to other people and you know the emotions that they put out and everything like that and that the reason that there's a lot of artists who are depressed and stuff are because they're so open to other people and other emotions and other feelings and stuff which is how they can get into your head and oh my gosh this is totally about me oh i relate to it so much and everything but they're so open that they can't control the bad stuff coming in too so it's you have a lot of artists who deal with uh depression and and other sort of uh mental illness issues and substance abuse and stuff because you know they say that they're so open to the world and everything that they can't stop the stuff you don't want to come in coming from coming in yeah it's just like their hearts like like wet sand or something like everything makes a an impression and it's they can't shake it it's but it's what makes them who they are and mm-hmm. some good at producing things that make you feel something <laughs> yeah but it's uh it can be hard to carry that <laughs> um oh i i guess i wanted a quick i probably mentioned a little earlier but the um when they played it in Hartford, they segued it because I love when they put songs in a set list together that weren't on the same albums or, but they could have been on an album if they just had written every song at once and arranged them because they themes fit together. But they played Sleight of Hand right afterwards, which just felt, I mean, I don't want to step on other observations later on for another episode, but it's just about that's about somebody's job kind of crushing them a bit and this is like it could feed into that like i'm open could be 
a song that could cheer up the guy and slay the <laughs> maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or cheer up the guy in indifference <laughs> or something like that. Cause there's, there's, there's a few characters that could use cheering up, I guess, in the, uh, in the catalog. <laughs> I'm open and sleight of hand. Those are both uh, stand-up bass songs, right? Uh, Jeff had his uh, stand-up fretless bass or whatever for that. Oh, you know, I remember Ed playing, like, I think it was the spotlight was mostly just on him, and I kind of thought it was just him playing, but I wonder if Jeff, like, slid in when he was talking a bit, because he talked a bit about the weather and stuff when he was just uh strumming the the notes a bit uh before he started singing and i wonder if jeff came in there i think about it maybe he did and then of course sleight of hand they're all up on stage there and they played it at the i was going through they played it at the vic theater show which was a good one mm-hmm. and, your vault number two yeah yeah i gotta pick that one up i was listening to it and i was like oh my god that set list is mm-hmm. incredible. <laughs> um and at safeco in a couple years ago at the home away shows they pushed it out there and uh but i gotta go i wish i wrote down what song they played right afterwards because i i love when they put two songs that kind of thematically go together because yeah. it almost feels like an intro song, like Lucan or or Wasted Reprise or one of those, because it's pretty short and it's pretty you know simple, and they can definitely yeah. like kick in right after it plays. But it's it is still pretty rare, so it's it's definitely a, a fun setless one to cross off your list. But there is a lot there <laughs> for a song that that you know is not on a lot of compilation CDs. Yeah. It might be, you know, sort of when you, you skip through or something like that, you don't really pay attention to it unless you're like, okay, I'm listening. You know, I got my vinyl out. I'm going to listen to the whole thing. Or, you know, if you, right. if you have the opportunity to skip, it's kind of easy to be like, I'll go ahead and skip this. If you're in the right mindset, like it can, it can touch your heart, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, it's not going to make you dance necessarily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But but it might it might get get something out of you because mm. that's all they're uh, that's all they're trying to do. So are we are, are are you ready to wrap this up then? That sounds yeah. I think I think I've covered uh, covered what I what I was gonna say, and uh, we got covered pretty good ground. Yeah, I think we got out much more than other people would probably think. This song had yeah. in it. I, was 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 pride to the toughest one? Uh, <laughs> not <laughs> necessarily. Well, yeah. Well, uh, kinda. I was I was so excited that you guys pointed out the reverse Pete Townsend thing because that was something that I just recently, or uh, within the last like seven or eight years, I stumbled across a YouTube clip of it, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That would, that made it more interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I hear you. Now, are you doing um I'm still here? Um, I don't know. It's supposedly the rumor is is that it's on the Japanese version of Lost Dogs, which if it is, then I'm definitely gonna do it. But oh, nice. if it's not, 
I don't think I can cover it because it's not on something that was officially released for for people to to get because that was when i i i met my wife at a halloween party and it was through a co-worker and she's like she likes pearl jam you should talk to her and i was like okay and i and i didn't know if she just like better man or like or the 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 hits or if she was like a, a how deep it went a freak like me (laughs) (laughs) and and she was like oh i one of my my favorite album is no code i was like oh "Oh my god she i was like yes i'm in love and then she she said and actually she liked i'm open and i said oh that's one i don't think about that much i said do you know what i was actually at the show they played it for the first time in 2006 and she's like get out of here she pushed me like elaine bennis like <laughs> she's like i was at that show too <laughs> which is kind of neat and um and then she said i have another song that's like that song and i don't even know if you've heard it and she put on i'm still here and she played it and i was a guy who had like you know like especially when napster came out i had downloaded everything like all the mm-hmm. like weird songs and anything that was available i i took advantage full advantage of the system and she she played me i'm still here and i never heard that song before and i was like who are you <laughs> <laughs> it was like it, and then you know, like fast forward years later, we were married and I was like, that was uh, kind of neat. So I, I mean, it was a song about a breakup, which was crazy, but it was fun to have somebody like out Pearl Jam. Yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. You, when you come in all cocky, you know, I'm sure people have had <laughs> that experience before. You come in all cocky, you're like, oh, they haven't been cool in a while. People don't know all these songs. And then somebody just stuns you. <laughs> yeah you can't guys out there you can't discount women just because they're like oh you only like pearl jam because eddie's hot or you don't know the real deep stuff there's people out there know their stuff yeah don't be uh don't be misogynistic don't uh yeah don't count the ladies out i was a stunner and i was stunned and she was a stunner and i was stunned (laughs) that's what it is (laughs) and it was uh yeah oh that's cool that's awesome Got a, a story of a, of a of a Pearl Jam love connection. Yeah. Cool. So, is there something you think that people should uh, should do to help spread kindness to other people? Uh, I don't know if you're going to say uh, pick up hitchhikers or uh, <laughs> hitchhikers <what? laughs> need they need rides, man. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe nowadays with uh, you know COVID and everything, probably not a good idea to. Pick up strangers, maybe. It, it was pouring rain, so I that's that's <laughs> what sealed it for me, and I was in a good mood. But but I would say, um, because I, there's so many great causes to contribute to, or just or just simple things you could do: kindness, patience, and just being good to your neighbors. Um, but one thing I wanted to maybe point out was um, was sub- trying to support local music. Because there's a lot of musicians that rely on playing places that don't have that revenue to like, you know, put toward their recording or keeping their website going and 
um, and things like that. So it'd be great if you could just try to check out your local scene a little bit, whether it's on like Bandcamp is a great website to check out bands that are, you know, independent and just trying to do it on their own. And if you can't afford to buy an album, you can just maybe give them a social media follow or just send them a note saying, Hey, I like the song. Keep, keep making stuff, you know, cause we, we, uh, all artists have to start somewhere and it, it just would be great to keep encouraging them because it's, it's a hard time for everybody and it's, you know, you want to, you know, art's important <laughs> and, uh, there's, I mean, everything's important, but we want to make sure that that one stays on, stays on point too. Yeah. There's, um, if you go on Bandcamp, you can just search and put in, you know, your town or something like that. And, and you can search by, by, uh, local artists for your city and stuff. And you can find yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of things you didn't know existed and, and kind of, and for most part, if you're, if you're on a, a, a computer and not a smartphone, you can just listen to, to the stuff that just streams there and, and can kind of put it in your head. It's like, Oh, Hey, once things open back up, I'll uh, check them out. Or they might have stickers or merch or something like that, that you can uh, buy and, and toss some uh, money their way. Yeah. And they have, I think they're still running a promotion on Fridays where they don't take um, a piece of an it, if you buy an album on a Friday, Bandcamp doesn't take a piece of the pie to for their website. They let the entire proceeds go to the artist. So it's called like Bandcamp Friday. Yeah, I think there's one Friday each month. One once a month, yeah. That there is. Uh, which is a great, great idea. Cause yeah, I mean that's you know, great artists. I mean, that's why we're talking right now, because we love a band and that's how it starts, you know. <laughs> mm. You might fall in love again with another one too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh oh what the hell? There was something there was something I think around in the early nineties or something like that that was kind of like a, a saying like uh this I gotta look it up. Oh, it's a uh a book. Yeah, a book that came out a while ago about the uh the early eighties to nineties sort of underground scene called uh, This Band Could Be Your Life. And, you know, and, and just sort of about, you know, Fagazi and the replacements and Sonic Youth and Black Flag and stuff. And it's sort of like, you know, you never know when a small local band or something like that could end up just sort of getting big and taking off and changing the world or something. So you want to get it on the ground floor so you can you so you can big time everybody and say, oh, yeah, well, I saw them way back when and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's where that's how uh, Dave Grohl got discovered, right? He was in yeah. Scream or The Scream. And yeah, then, he was in uh, DC back in the in that. And then DC he got hardcore scene, sort of. And then, even pre-internet, he was no he was known across the uh, continent and got scooped up in a Nirvana. That's that's amazing. Thanks for coming on, Thomas, and. Uh... Good, and we'll, 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 uh, gotta have you back for uh, talk some more, some more Pearl Jam. Maybe a, a song you have a little bit more affinity for. Oh yes, <laughs> oh the better. <laughs> Even though we got I good stuff it. out of this one, this was good. This was good. I think, I think so. I think we did it for for Saturday night. I think we we covered some ground. <laughs> 
The Better Brand Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P, B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you'd like the job I'm doing here, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P and leave me a $3 tip or give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send me insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Thomas and as always, this is Brandon saying Nacho Nacho Man I want to be a Nacho Man Nacho Nacho Man